Hey there. <laughs> oh, so happy to be with you, as always. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let us dive right in. What a blessing. Yeah. You know, pray up a storm here, uh, a healing storm. <laughs> Healing and revealing. So grateful. Mm. So we're taking a breath of love and gratitude, opening ourselves to the unlimited, unprecedented power of love. So grateful and so thankful. <sighs> so grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to the unlimited, to the unprecedented Taking these deep breaths of gratitude. <sighs> Centering in into this moment of perfection. Centering into a realization of our perfection and love. So grateful and so thankful to declare that we are willing to be our true selves, our our ascended master selves. We are willing to stop playing small and to open ourselves to the unprecedented. We are willing to know ourselves as we truly are, perfect, harmonious, loving, already free, filled with joy. Mm. Taking this breath of love and gratitude, we consciously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self to remember our true identity is that perfection, is that freedom, is that ascended master. So we're letting go of false perceptions and false beliefs. We're letting go of everything that stands in the way of our recognition of truth and we are so grateful to call upon the I am that I am into our awareness I am the unlimited I am the unprecedented I am the good of God I am the joy of God I am the wisdom of God I am the clarity of God I am the wholeness of God I am the beauty of God. I am the prosperity of God. I am the clarity of God. I am the all good of God. We open our heart and our mind to the kingdom which is within and we're allowing ourselves to remember this truth. And so we're allowing ourselves to experience everything being added unto us. Allowing everything to be restored and renewed in our mind. We call upon the company of heaven in all that is holy. We invoke the violet flame to soak and saturate Mother Earth and all her many beings. We call upon Master Saint Germain, Lady Portia, 
the mighty Elohim, Arcturus and Victoria. We call upon Archangel Zadkiel and the divine complement Amethyst. We call upon all the masters and angels of the violet flame. We open our heart and mind to this teaching from Master Saint Germain on vision, divine vision. We are willing to hold a divine vision for our life, for our family, for our well-being, for our excellence, for our prosperity. And we are willing to replace all the ego's visions of ugliness and darkness and lack and limitation. We're replacing them with the truth. In our heart, in our mind, we're doing it for ourselves and our family, our friends, our community, our co-workers, and everyone everywhere. We're allowing ourselves to fulfill the function for which we have come. And we are so grateful to step into this dynamic place of receptivity, acceptance, and allowing. Allowing Master Saint Germain to teach us and help us to clearly understand and know that we can live with divine vision, in divine vision. This is a skill we already have. And so we're accepting that now. We're allowing it now. And in grace and in gratitude, we're cultivating the fullness of this vision, eradicating all false perception and sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and so thankful to allow our healing to truly be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Well, it looks like right now in this moment, Peter, it's you and me and someone on the webcast. So, Peter, I'm going to unmute you now. Hey there. Yes, hey there. (laughs) So we're continuing with this really powerful and transformative teaching on true visualization from Unveiled Mysteries. And it is, it's so life-changing to get this and to practice it. So we have had some powerful conversations already about this. So just to review, because uh, it's, it's not much for me to read here. True visualization is God's attribute and power. Oh, by the way, in the Unveiled Mysteries, this is the end of Chapter 3. Um, true visualization is God's attribute and power of sight acting in the mind of man. And uh, as I was sharing in the radio show this morning, uh, we're the mind within the mind. So we're learning to recognize this, that we have our individual experience of our mind in the mind of God. So God's true visualization is God's attribute and power of sight acting in the mind of man. 
When one consciously pictures in his mind a desire he wishes fulfilled, he is using one of the most powerful means of bringing it into his visible, tangible experience. There is much confusion and uncertainty in the minds of many concerning what actually happens. When one visualizes or makes a mental picture of something he desires, Sorry, end of sentence. <laughs> no mm. form ever came into existence anywhere in the universe unless someone had consciously held a picture of that form in his thought. So literally, the ethers, the elements, they respond to these pictures. And even words are actually pictures. Uh, they contain pictures, as St. Germain says. Oh, here it is right here. For every thought contains a picture of the idea within it. What is a word but a thought? Even in a symbol of a thought, even an abstract thought has a picture of some kind, or at least a picture that is one's mental concept of it. I'll give you an exercise by which one may develop conscious control and direct his visualizing activities for definite accomplishment. There are several steps to the process which every student can use at any and all times. The practice does bring visible, tangible results when really applied. The first step is to... Oh, my computer is just doing weird things. De determine, first step is to determine upon a definite plan or desire to be fulfilled. In this, see that it is constructive, honorable, and worthy of your time and effort. So that's what I left everyone with last time is to please come up with uh, that visualization that you would like to uh, be working with and have a demonstration with. Um, so, hmm. be sure to examine your motive for bringing such a creation into expression. It must be honest, both toward yourself and the rest of the world, not merely to follow a whim or gratify. Remember, there is a vast difference between use, desire, and appetite. Use is the fulfilling of the great universal law of service. And remember, too, that A Course in Miracles tells us that there's no happier position for us in this world than to know we're being of service. Desire is the expanding activity of God through which manifestation is constantly sustained and is perfection enlarging itself. Appetite is but habit established by the continued gratification of the feeling nature and is but energy focused and qualified by suggestions from the outer activity of life. So we're learning to distinguish the difference between what I call the divine desire and then that craving, needing, wanting appetite mm. of the ego. And just as a, an important thing here, uh, brought this up before, Venerable, really, she believes that energizing any kind of a desire is... An, is um, not helpful. And mm. for me, I, I find, 
and she and I have talked about this. I find it challenging for me to understand and accept that when the Ascended Master teachings that I'm reading and what I, my own direct guidance is, is to energize the desire of the heart. But I think it's absolutely essential. I know, not but, and I think it's absolutely essential for us to be doing this discernment that St. Germain is talking about here between desire and appetite all the time, mm-hmm. really, really discerning it because that's that's how we avoid creating suffering. Uh, but I uh, And I think that one of the challenges for many spiritual students is that they don't energize the deep desire of their heart because they don't feel worthy. And so they are saying, making statements like, I'm just trying to understand what God wants for me or from me. And as you've all heard me say, God does not want anything from anyone. Mm-hmm. Because th- this experience that we're having in time and space is about us expressing and coming to this place that St. Germain is talking about here, where we are expanding the activity of God in expressions of perfection. So this this is the impetus here for us. And so it's not about... Uh, anything but experiencing more perfection, a revelation of perfection, and recognizing the perfection that is. And it's all about disconnecting in the mind from the habitual thoughts of evaluation in a ego sense, and comparison, and judgment, and belief in better than and less than and bad and wrong as you all know and it's so habitual it's so ingrained that the only way we can really make speedy progress is to do it in that partnership with the higher holy spirit self so for me working with the deep desire of the heart clears out the things of appetite Because the deep desire of my heart is to live without that appetite, to no longer energize it whatsoever. So he says here, be very sure that there is no lurking feeling within, that you would be glad to benefit at the expense of another. And that is, you know, for me, it's a constant vigilance, even still. No lurking, be vigilant that there's no lurking feeling that you would be glad to benefit at the expense of another. And this comes into play in so many ways because um, one of the first things that comes into my mind is the thought, I'm going to eat the last brownie. You know, when I know somebody really had their eye on it. Oh, you know, I'm just going to eat it. And if they wanted it, they should have put it away or something like that. You know, these are the... I remember when I was a teenager, I would do things like that when I was a kid. Um, I had an experience with my goddaughter last week where she... We were in a store and she asked me to get some dried mango for her, which I did. And... um, 
we were we went to the beach and when we got out of the car she said can I have some dried mango so she picked three I said you can have three pieces so she took three pieces uh with her holding them in her hand to the down to the beach and we were when we got down to the beach um my nephew Mikey said oh can I have some of that dried mango and Amelia said you have to ask Jennifer she's got the mango I said well you know the mango's up in the car I'm not going to go back to the car and get the mango and so Amelia was like, yeah, sorry, there's no mango for you. And she's got the three pieces in her hand, you know. And, and so <laughs> so I, I just kind of leaned over and said, you don't want to share? She took a moment. She's eight years old. She took a moment. She thought about it. She did want to share. So she gave him a piece. And um, so it's... You know, we have to, uh, the ego, you know, we're so identified with the ego at times. We have to be that in that vigilance and so that constant willingness and, and vigilance. So um, And it comes into play like, uh, you know, in traffic. You're going to let someone go in front of you or not. Mm. You know, it's a continued gratification uh, you know where you're you're happy to benefit at the expense of another, and so it's these uh, choices that come in all day long. I think it's really helpful right now if we can just think of choices that you've made recently where you benefited at the expense of another and you knew it. And how did it feel? And if you could have a do-over, what would you do differently? It's taking a moment to think about that. Kazi, I'm going to unmute you. Hmm, I took all the static out of the line. Isn't that interesting? Now, because it's so healing to, uh, in a sense, make a confession or just bring it out and release the shame or anything, does anybody have anything that comes to mind that they'd be willing to share? I couldn't think of anything like uh, recent, but I do recognize that your traffic example is one that um, I uh, that that's very familiar to me mm-hmm. because. Um, but I, I I shift. I mean, there there are times that I don't let someone in front of me if it's a single lane merge, let's say, or something. And if I've done the correct thing regulation-wise and been in my lane and someone is trying to cut in, I judge that person for having, you know, wanting to cheat. <laughs> and I won't let them get in front of me. I mm-hmm. said, I, I did the right thing. Why can't you? I'm not mm-hmm. going to let you benefit when, when you know, 
you're you're no better than any other driver here, and we've all done the right thing. What makes you so special? Mm-hmm. And then there are other times I just I, I probably do think that. Yet I say, oh, the heck with it. Let him in. It's not right. important. You know, I'm not going to be attached to that. So for sure. Um, and also, obviously, with food. You know, if there's uh, something like a goodie that I really like, and there's one, there's only one left or something. Uh, <laughs> I'll make sure to have it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do do that. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting how it works because one of the big challenges for me is, and we've all talked about this, is uh, that in going too far, I've become. In my past experience, there are times when I'm just dysfunctionally compassionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and by that, I mean, like, dysfunctionally compassionate might look like you let everyone in traffic ahead of you. Right. Because somehow you think that has more merit. So in that sense of being dysfunctionally compassionate, you could say you're really giving to get. You're giving to get validation in a sense of mm-hmm. I'm better because I do this. So it's uh, that's why it's really important to be willing to have the Holy Spirit guide you in your mind what to do, what not to do. Because in that guidance, the the answer really comes. So he and, – and that's great, great share, Peter – So he says, um, let's see here. The second step is to state your plan in words as concise and clear as possible. Write this down. Thus, you make a record of your desire in the outer, visible, tangible world. So we've all done that with our contract. And uh, what I was advising people to do if they had the time during our week off to go back to weeks one and two, the New Year's intentions weeks, and to refine the contract. Mm. Anybody do that? If you have refined your contract and you'd like to send it to me, please do. Always interested in that. Now, remember, you can do this. You can, and to me, this deep desire of the heart exercise that I do is very similar to this, and it was, it's been so life-changing for me. He says the third step is to close your eyes and see within your mind a mental picture of your desire or plan in its finished perfect condition and activity. And to me, that's the thing that I do when I'm doing the deep desire of the heart. And that's why it's so powerful. Is So, for instance, uh, let's say someone is interested in having a new, new employment of some kind. And so uh, the deep desire of my heart 
is to share my gifts and talents in the world in ways that are profoundly fulfilling for myself and everyone my life touches. The deep desire of my heart is to work with people that I admire and enjoy. The deep desire of my heart is to work in an environment that feels uplifting and inspiring. The deep desire of my heart is to work in an environment that is beautiful, where I feel comfortable and safe. The deep desire of my heart is to have fun at work etc., etc., etc. And when I'm writing those statements, it's not the only way to do it, of course, but that's what works for me. Because writing longhand is uh, takes some time. And so I'm really thinking about it as I write each word. I'm picturing it in my mind as I write each word. And in a sense, it's almost as if the highest and best pictures are coming into my mind, I'm placing my attention, my awareness on those pictures, shining the light of my awareness through them, and then that's what brings them into manifestation. One of the habits that I've developed over the years, and I've talked about this as well, is if there is something uh, like, I have to train myself to ask for what I'd like. Because there is a, you know, a sense in spiritual teaching that it's better not to have a wish for anything, but just to totally accept things as they are. But, for instance, for me, I, I, I recently was thinking, oh, I would really like to have um, the opportunity to... Uh, live in my parents' house in Maine again. I'd like to have that. I'd like to have a summer in Maine again. That would be wonderful. Uh, I've done that in the past. I'd like to do that again. Um, I'd like to have a home uh, near my brother and be able to uh, do work in New York and have regular um, community in New York. I'd like to do that for a while. I remember thinking uh, years ago, oh, I'd really like to live near Stonehenge. So it starts with, oh, I'd like that. Because what we would like to have that is born of that divine desire to express perfection, to reveal perfection, to experience perfection, there's nothing in the universe to prevent us from having it. But if we don't put any energy into it, how do we think it's going to come to us? Because this is the whole thing about this world. It's an illusion. It's images. It's pictures that are born of our thoughts and feelings. So if we don't invest our thought and feeling correctly, how can we ever think we're going to have the experience that we'd like to have? And conversely, one of the things that was a very strong habit in my mind was if I didn't feel, if I felt agitated or triggered by friends, family, coworkers, anybody, I would go into this mode of I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm the outsider, I'm the rebel, I'm, I'm the one nobody understands. You know, all forms of separation thinking. And I would go out of my way to demonstrate that. 
and make other people think it was true as well as me. I would go out of my way to prove it. So I'd be thinking these thoughts. Nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. Nobody loves me. It's never going to change no matter what I do. It's never going to work for me. I used to think those thoughts on a, just an absolute loop. And I would have images in my mind as I thought those thoughts of me being alone, being left out, being excluded, uh, being unhappy, being alone, like I said. And, what, of course, what would come to pass? Exactly what I was imagining. So I really learned the power of thought and feeling and the power of my word through my intense experiences of habitually energizing what I didn't want. Because I was so into energizing what I didn't want. I mean, I was just, it was my go-to thing. So I had to work very hard with my mind not to do that. Very hard. It was really hard for me. And so that's how I learned that interceptive thought of I'm not interested in that anymore. Just cut it off. I'm not interested in that thought anymore. I'm not putting energy into that thought anymore. And I get that there is real value in being able to say, okay, what what is it I like about this thought? But you see, before I learned to say I'm not interested in that anymore, I spent a lot of years trying to understand why am I interested in that thought, where did that thought come from, who gave me that thought, how long have I had that thought, how has that thought impacted my life. I just had such an intellectual, psychological um, approach to working with my healing of the mind. And I, I was having gradual healing doing that, but everything changed when I just went, I'm not interested in that anymore. Bam, cut it off. Give it to the Holy Spirit. Okay, next. Now, what am I interested in? I'm the creature, uh, creature of love and light, and that's all I'm interested in. Love and light, perfection, beauty, Truth, freedom, wisdom, the spiritual qualities. I'm interested in experiencing them, revealing them, teaching them, because every choice that we make, we're teaching, sharing them, understanding them, knowing them, revealing them, being them, being my true self. So he says... Close your eyes and see within your mind a mental picture of your desire or plan in its finished, perfect condition and activity. So we've <clears throat> we've spent a fair amount of time uh, looking at how is it that we energize what we don't want and how habitual is that? Do we even notice it? Are we aware when we do it? Next he says, contemplate the fact that your ability to create and see a picture within your own consciousness is God's attribute of sight acting in you. So we don't have to figure it out or make it happen or activate it. It's really just there. It's God's attribute of sight acting in you. The activity of seeing 
and the power to create are attributes of your God self, which you know and feel is within you at all times. I was saying uh, in the radio show this morning uh, where it talks about how this can this knowledge can never be taken from you. Everyone has total access to it all the time. So no matter how how long and how intensely we've made our bed in hell, that knowledge of our true identity is always there if we choose it. And it's there in its fullness, no matter what. No matter what. That, see, that's our saving grace. That's how we can never get lost in time and space. We might seem to spend a long time here, but we will always find our way back because of that truth, that the knowledge of our God self is within us. And he's saying here, which you know and feel is within you at all times. God's life and power are acting within your consciousness to propel into your outer world the picture you are seeing and feeling within yourself. So to me, this is what the more masterful person does. You may recall me telling a story of uh, that I heard from Michael Beckwith. Oh, and hey, uh, Barbara, if you uh, want to unmute yourself and share anything, same with you, Kazi. Uh, you can just uh, press star seven to talk. Uh, I'll just leave you. Actually, you know what, Barbara, I'm going to unmute you because there's less static on the line when, uh, for some reason, when someone else is unmuted. So if you can self-mute on your head handset, that would be great if you can do that. Yeah, boy, that sure changes the quality of the call. Thank you, Barbara. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, I remember Reverend Michael Beck was telling me the story or telling a group of students the story. I've heard him tell it a few times, uh, where there was someone who came from India, was part of the Agape community, and this person was the... Uh, number two person of uh, an ashram in India. And she was sent to Los Angeles by the guru who said, you have to go to America and live in America for a while, and then I'll call you home when it's time for you to come home. And she did, according to Reverend Michael, it's all according to his hearsay of what I heard him tell this story a couple of times. She didn't want to go. She didn't want to leave the home, her home in the ashram. She didn't want to leave India. She didn't want to go to the United States. But she did as she was directed to do because she uh, was the number two person in the ashram and the guru. You follow the guru in the you know in those situations, or you leave the community. I guess. Anyway, um, she went to Los Angeles. And the people welcomed her. It was very clear. She had a very vast and open mind. People really appreciated her. And it also became clear pretty quickly that she did not know how to manifest things. She didn't know how to really manifest money and a car and a house and things. She'd been in the ashram so long she didn't need to manifest anything for herself and so what happened was the people who loved her and welcomed her in the community 
she became a burden to them because she was always taking from them and needing from them without um, being able to take care of herself. And uh, so she had to learn exactly what we're talking about here, how to bring things into manifestation according to perfection and the the mind of the master who knows what perfection is, even if you don't know exactly how it looks. But it's also, why wouldn't you be able to have a car if you needed a car? Of course you'd be able to have a car. Like when I went to Hawaii recently, I held in my mind... I knew right away, I have to have a car. This is this is not a place where I can live in the area I'd like to live and be without a car. It's just not possible. Um, there's not a lot of taxis. It's, it's too hilly to bike, etc. So I need a car. So I knew I was going to need to buy a used car. And I had in my mind this price of $2,500. Can I, you know, I'd like to find a good used car for $2,500. Well, I, I don't know anything about cars, but I was staying in this um, cottage uh, on a sublet, and the owner of the cottage, not the tenant, but the owner, because I subletted from the tenant, the owner, he had a couple of used cars. And I said, could I buy one of them? Are they for sale? And at first he said, yeah, let me see what's the best one I have for you, and I'll I'll hook you up with that car. So then he he came back a week or so later, and he said, you know what, Jennifer, none of the cars I have is in good enough condition that I would feel comfortable that you would have it and it would really work well for you. And I, I just wouldn't. I'd rather take a, a loss and not sell the car and just have it here uh, than um, sell it to you and have it not work out for you. I just, I, I'm, that's, those are my ethics. So, uh, so I said, okay. I said, listen, I don't really know anything about cars. I know that's a white one. That's a red one. I know that's an SUV. You know, but uh, I don't really know anything about cars. Can, would you, could I hire you to, since you know so much about cars, he fixes his own cars and stuff. Could I hire you to help me find a car? So he said, well, you don't have to hire me. I, I'd love to help you find a car. I'd be happy to. It'd be my pleasure. So I said, well, I would like to hire you and, you know, pay you for the effort. And so, um, yeah. And I, and we talked about it some and said, you know, let's, let's see if we can find a four wheel drive car, like a little four by four SUV. Because then you can go off-road on the beaches and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I said, uh, so I said, great, just, you know, let me know if you find something. So he found this 4x4 SUV on Craigslist for $3,300. He said, I think this is a good car. Let me call about it. Okay, great. So he said, I think it's a good car. I think it's a good price for Hawaii. Um because cars, you know, the humidity is so intense, cars just don't last in Hawaii very long. Oh, there's a lot of old cars. But anyway, blah, blah. So, mm. <laughs> so um, uh, he, 
he found out that the car was owned by a rental car agency, like Bob's Rental Cars, and they were uh, letting go of some of their inventory. They had too much inventory for the summer. They wouldn't need it all. So um, the day that he called on it, they dropped the price from 3300 to 2900 so he said, wow, now it's really a good deal. So he said, let's go look at it together. So we did. So we did. We did a test drive. And then he he said, let me talk to the lady about it and see what her best price is. So then he comes back and he says, 2500 Now, that's exactly the price that I wanted to pay for the car. And it's exactly the car that I was looking to have. A 4x4 SUV, and it's even white, which is so reflective of the sun. So it was exactly the car that I was looking for, basically, at exactly the price I was looking for. And Don, the guy who helped me find it, I ended up, I did pay him. I said, Don, I'd like to pay you $200. He said, Jennifer, I I hardly took me, you saw what I did. It was like nothing. I said, but... It's not nothing because you talked her down from 2900 to 2500 I'd like to give you half of that. I'd like to give you $200. He said, you can give me $100. I said, I'll give you 150 And then we laughed <laughs> because he's negotiating it down, what I'm going to give him. And I'm trying to – I said, I'm going to give you $200 because that's what I had made up my mind to do. That feels right to me. So that's what we ended up doing. And he said, you know what? If a year from now you move away from here, you want to sell the car to me, I'll buy it from you. So it just doesn't, you know, it's just there's a level of perfection and ease and grace that's always available to us. And I know that I experienced that level of perfection and ease and grace because I held in my mind, this is what I would like to experience. It's not hard for me to experience that. In other words, it's easy for me to experience that. How's it going to happen? I don't know. Now, similarly, with the apartment I'm in in Hawaii, I had been looking on Craigslist and for places, and I never went to see any of them except for one, the one I'm in, because I'm looking at the pictures on Craigslist. This looks nice, great area, great price, beautiful place. I'm looking at all of them, but I'm looking at them and I'm think, feeling this is not mine. This is not exactly what I'm looking for. I'd like to have great views. I'd like to be up a little higher on the mountain, etc. And then I was sitting, watching a movie. I got this intuition, go to Craigslist right now and look for a place. And so I did. And there was a place that came on to Craigslist just minutes before where the people had dropped the price four hundred dollars so now it's showing up on craigslist in my price range so i didn't have to go all over the island looking at places and looking at bulletin boards and talking to people about places i just followed my intuition but i held clearly in my mind i was holding a vision of a big Big rooms, expansive, mm-hmm. light-filled, airy, very airy because it's you know it's dense. It's very you know we've got seventy-five, eighty percent humidity in Hawaii on a regular basis in the summertime. So it's 
holding in your heart, in your mind, in your feeling body, what is it you'd like to experience? So what I'm inviting you to do is to just think about what is the most, I, I always like to go to what is the most painful, difficult, energy draining, uh, saddening, frustrating, uh, upsetting experience that you're having in your life. And start to do the deep desire of your heart about it. Really get clear about how you would like to feel in that area of your life, in that relationship. You know, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's um, your health. Uh, maybe it's your home. Whatever area of your life that it is that you would like to have a very different experience, very feel very differently about it, and make up your mind that you are going to prove what St. Germain is teaching here by doing that deep desire of the heart work, or you can follow his directions more explicitly. It's very, very simple. And get clear. I always think it's helpful to get clear about how you'd like to feel and then allow the I am presence, the higher Holy Spirit self, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the company of heaven, invite them in to help you feel it, to help you recognize it. And then as you're feeling it, what are the pictures that come? What are the pictures that come? You know, also you'll be noticing what are the thoughts that the ego has for you about you can't have it, you can't do it, it's too much, you know. And so that's the exercise that I've given over and over again about write down the affirmation. So the affirmation could be, you know, the deep desire of my heart is you could even use that as the affirmation. But it's also, uh, so if the deep desire of my heart is to have a loving relationship with my spouse. And then it could be the affir affirmation is, I am willing to have a loving relationship with my spouse. And then ego says, that's never going to happen. Ego says, uh, it's not worth, it's a waste of time. Been there, done that. Um, you know, whatever the ego has to say, so that you're really in touch with what is the desire of your heart, and then using those I am statements to bring forth the beliefs, to bring those beliefs into the light of your awareness so you can say, that's not actually true. And to recognize that there we can have the full manifestation of the deep desire of our heart. Now, here's the thing about this Masterful Living Year 3 class. We can talk and talk and talk about this, but if you're not willing to do it, it's because something is blocking your willingness. For me, there was a long time when I wasn't willing to do it. I was only willing to read about it. I was only willing to talk about it. I was only willing to take classes about it. I wasn't willing to do it. And it's because of my ego identification. And 
I was identified with playing small. I was, uh, and for me, this is what it was for me, and this is what I teach in the Stop Playing Small class. So you can see how these things just all work together. They all cycle around. And this is what, as we progress in our understanding, it's really about putting all these pieces of the puzzle together. So in the Stop Playing Small class, what I say, it's like the summary of it is that so many like workers play small because they are not willing to truly be a beneficial presence on this planet. When It's because they go back and forth and back and forth. I'd like to be a beneficial presence, but right now I would like to complain about my boyfriend. Okay, now I want to be a beneficial presence in my workplace, with my clients. I'd like to be a better acupuncturist. I'd like to be a better therapist. I'd like to be a better minister. I'd like to be a better practitioner. I'd like to be a better mother. I'd like to be a better grandmother. I'd like to be a better spouse or husband or father or what, whatever it is. I'd like to be a better brother or sister. I'd like to be better in all these different kinds of expressions of divine love. But right now, I want to binge and self-medicate. Okay, now I'd like to be a beneficial presence again. Oh, but now I want to complain about my clients. I want to complain about my family. Oh, but now I want to be the fulcrum point of healing in my family. Oh, but now I want to be bitter and angry and shut them out because they're not doing what I think they should be doing. Oh, now I want to be loving and compassionate. It's back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. And so what I learned in my own experience is I made the commitment to be wholly loving, completely loving and compassionate and generous and kind and patient. And all day long I had to course correct because I had the commitment. I had to keep cleaning out the trash in my mind. I had to keep cleaning out the habitual go-to, well, if you're not going to do it my way, then I'm going to hold you in resentment and you're just going to have to deal with my resentment because you're not doing what I want. So I love you unconditionally and I'm going to resent you for not doing it the way I want because I have conditions. Mm -hmm. If you do not meet them, I will resent you. I will give you the cold shoulder. I will not be as responsible to you, uh, but my love is unconditional. What? So... um that's the thing is most light workers just don't want to walk the talk. And I understand that because that was me. But when we make the commitment, I'm going to walk the talk to the best of my ability this day, this day, starting right now. And maybe prior to this very moment of you in this class or listening to the class later, maybe prior to this you had a fight with somebody or you were thinking mean thoughts about somebody or self-medicating or whatever it was you were doing before. In this moment, now I'm committing myself. Now. And then all day long, course correcting. That's the thing. And it's going back to the vision. But you see the 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 light worker who's not dedicated will not allow themselves to hold the vision. And they'll say, Oh, it doesn't work for me. It's too hard for me. I can't I can't really do it. I I've I've got so many other things going on in my life. How can I I can't do this. I can't take a half an hour out to do this every day. I can't take five minutes out to do this. 
You know, I remember when I was in ministerial school, one of my colleagues said, um, you know, I've got such a busy schedule, I just do my prayer work in the shower. I'm like, yeah, okay. There you go. I'd love to pray in the shower. Sure. It's a great place to pray, you know. Just put all that energy into the water and but I I like to pray other times too. But we do what we can, you see. So contemplate the fact that your ability to create and see a picture within your own consciousness is God's attribute of sight acting in you. The activity of seeing and the power to create are attributes of your God self, which you know and feel is within you at all times. God's life and power are acting within your consciousness to propel into your outer world the picture you are seeing and feeling within yourself. In other words, to bring it into manifestation. Because it's an illusion. So of course you can bring it into manifestation. Your mind is a projector. If you put the image in the projector, it's going to project on the screen. If you hold it, if you have no doubt about it, if you have faith in it, if you put your trust in it, if it's not going to hurt anyone, if it's not going to take away or diminish anyone, and even if it does, people all the time use the same exact teaching unknowingly. Like, think of people like... um Donald Trump, uh, I, I don't know, he always comes into my mind. To me, Donald Trump, you know, he's been up and down and up and down in his life, right? And he's just, he's going to get what he wants. And he's going to get what he wants the way that he wants it. And he feels entitled to have what he wants the way that he wants it. And he doesn't let other people get in his way. He doesn't let their needs and their concerns get in his way because he feels that this is the way of the world and he is using exactly these very same tools to bring about his own personal learning experience. So here's another way to look at this teaching, okay, in terms of images. First, actually, I'm going to read this first. Keep reminding the intellect. That the, the intellect, remember the ego drives the intellect, that the ability to picture is an attribute of God, the attribute of sight, the power to feel, experience, and associate with the perfected picture is God's power, the substance used in the world to make the forms in your picture and plan is God's pure substance. And this is exactly what is said in the impersonal life. Then you must know God is the doer, the doing, and the deed of every constructive form and action that has ever been sent forth, including Holocaust, train wrecks, When you thus use all the constructive processes, it is possible for your plan, it is impossible for your plan not to come into the visible world. You know? So I give the example about my father and his long term care insurance. For so decades, he kept saying, I hope it's a bad investment. What happened was a bad investment for him because 
on uh, when my mom was dying and we needed that long-term care help, the company could not find an employee who would w- was willing to travel to an island off the coast of Maine and help us. So therefore, it became a bad investment. I can't. I heard my father say a hundred times. I just hope it's a bad investment. Now, a hundred times when he said that, I could say to him, is that really what you want to experience that? But he doesn't want to hear that from me. He doesn't want to hear that from me. So he gets to have his own experience. You know, and then I get to have my experience of him having his experience and him feeling desperate and upset. He's put thousands and thousands of dollars into this, and now it's a bad investment. And, you know, his mind is really upset about it, very, very stressed. Plus, he wants to provide for my mother, and now he can't. He's planned to provide for her, and now it didn't work out. So now he's feeling he made a mistake. All these things coming into play. I'm watching him, and I have to know in my mind that this experience is happening to me, for me. Not to me. It's happening for me, by me. So that I can look at my father and know it's perfect. This is how he's learning. Nothing bad is happening. Nothing wrong is happening. This is my opportunity to release any judgment that it should be different. This is my opportunity. This is my learning. This is my healing. So why would I be telling my father he should have done it differently when it's my healing? So working with the pictures that we hold in the mind, this is why I say over and over and over again, one of the hardest things we have in this curriculum is when our loved ones are going through a difficult time not to hold it uh, poorly. Like I'm, I've, I, I've found out that through sitting too long in a meditation posture that wasn't quite right <laughs> um, for my um, just not quite you know just having a small uh, misalignment in my posture I stressed out um, uh, one of my discs so it's temporarily it's you know probably Karen could explain it to us better but um So now, but fortunately, because of the painful experience I've been having, I'm correcting it. So uh, my spine's not going to fuse. I'm not going to have long-term problems because it's being corrected now. So that's a good thing. And I've learned so much. But I had the experience last week that um, my sister-in-law said to me, you know, why didn't you tell us more about what you were experiencing and the pain? Why didn't you ask us for help more? And I said, honestly, because I know the way your mind goes to worry and you're imagining that bad things are happening to me, I just I don't want to have that to work with. So it's easier for me if I just work mm-hmm. with it on my own. Just work with it on my own. And... um you know, like I have one friend who emailed me. I'm concerned. She's worried about me. It's like, well, let's just let that go. And, you know, because I'm feeling better and stronger and all good every day. I'm learning so much from it. Yeah, it's not the most fun experience I've ever had. But 
so I get to work with picturing my spine is perfectly healed and my body is in perfect condition once again feeling totally harmonious so working with these pictures don't ever take the pictures that you entertain in your mind as they have no power because they have so much power they have all the power of God because you have all the power of God your mind is the mind of God keep reminding the intellect that the ability to picture is an attribute of God the attribute of sight the power to feel, experience, and associate with a perfected picture is God's power. So then he talks about read your desire or plan over as many times in the day as possible and always just before retiring. So this is why I have the um, recommendation on the contract. And the people who do that have amazing experiences. So he says, just before retiring, read it because I'm going to sleep immediately after contemplating the picture in your own mind. A full impression is left upon the human consciousness undisturbed for a number of hours, enabling it to be recorded deeply in the outer activity and allowing the force to be generated and accumulated, which propels it into the outer experience life. In this way, you can carry any desire or picture into your consciousness as it enters the great silence in sleep. There, it becomes charged by God's greatest power and activity, which is always within the heart of the great silence. So the last uh, class, I asked people to please uh, work on this, coming up with, you know, whether it's um, a rewriting of your contract or an updating, a tweaking of your contract, but to have this um, visual picture. And what I would like to ask you to do or invite you to do now, it really just depends on how interested you are in doing the work. It's according to you. That's the nature of Masterful Living. I don't make anybody do anything because I don't think that's helpful. It's just not my way. Um, to send it to me, email it to me. Let's see if you can come up with 300 words, something like that one page in a Word document um, of this visualization. I encourage you to pick an area, like I said, that is um, really challenging you, where you really, it would make a huge difference if you could transform this. Then I can uh, review that. We're going to be having our one-on-one -on -one appointments coming up in just a couple weeks starting uh, next week actually end of next week and into the first couple weeks of September so I'd like you to really uh, make those appointments with me we'll go over it together in the meantime you can go over it with your prayer partner and just look for is there anything in the ego of there is are there words like need and want and uh, shoulds in there can you get those out of there and how can you make it that pure flow of your divine desire, the deep desire of your heart? Now, there's obviously, there's still some more for us to look at in this teaching here. Um, but I'd like to open it up 
for more sharing. Anybody have any thoughts or feelings, anything you'd like to share on this topic? And uh, those who are muted out, we've got a few people who are muted out, you can press star 7 to talk. Questions, comments, sharing, thoughts, feelings? Any additional assistance I can give you? Any thoughts about that? Hi, Jennifer. It's Barbara. Hey. Hey. Um, I didn't get in on all of the uh, discussion today, so, and I don't think I've had a chance to listen to the last one, but I'll go back and, and do that so I can do this work. But I... I um, just recently started a new release and clear for my daughter, you know. Mm, <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Don't judge it. Just let it be. I'm happy I can laugh about it, you yeah. know. And just, yeah. um, I'm laughing and, with you, Barbara. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm beginning to see, You, know, I look at her, and I see the stuff she does, and what I realize, that's me. Yep. That is me. Yes. Oh, that's my why goodness. it bothers you. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, you know, I, so I, I have to just stop judging her. That's me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to work. I think I'll work on that relationship in this uh, this project right here. Perfect. And just, mm-hmm. so I'll do that. Yeah, great. Yeah, and I would say go back maybe two two more weeks. Okay. Good. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. Karen's raising her hand here. Hey, Karen. Okay, got it. Thank you, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jennifer. Hey. Hi. <laughs> it's nice to be back. I've been working on Tuesday, so. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I- yeah, um, yeah. There, I've so enjoyed this call. It just has brought up uh, a lot that I've been contemplating for, uh, you know, during these last several weeks while we've been talking about this subject. And, you know, I recognize what you spoke about in the beginning, you know, uh, where some spiritual students really feel like they shouldn't be, you know, uh, visualizing. It's more of a... Uh, kind of an acceptance and a waiting to see, you know, what mm-hmm. is provided. Um, so, you know, I have, you know, you know, the last few years worked a lot with the visualizations uh, and the contract and really, you know, tremendous uh, gain, not gains, but just tremendous healing in so many different areas uh, I, I have experienced. Um so, you know, I'm not quite sure what I wanted to say, but it's I guess I what's happening is I'm feeling my way, you know, with the visualization mm-hmm. because when I first read it in the book, um, you know, there was this excitement again. Um and so uh I may be working more in that paragraph where they're talking about, you know, is it of is it for use, is it for desire or um habit? 
Um, and so I have been working with the visualization, and I, I have found, you know, recently, right now, um, it's been helpful for me to keep it very general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been using uh, Patricia Cotarobo. She, she, and that because re- it really resonates with me. Just you know, limit, limitless abundance, perfect health, um, eternal youth, radiant beauty. That th- those sort of uh, phrases, and I just really uh, tune into the feeling of it. And so, I guess. Yeah, so there has been kind of a I have experienced a bit of a tentativeness in in visualizing something specific. But I think through this talk today, uh it it's helped me because, you know, just uh just something as far as I would like to be a more loving spouse. And, you know, that's definitely mm-hmm. something yeah, that I can visualize without guilt. I think that's really what's kind of been coming in is kind of this sense of guilt uh if i start to get into something you know a more specific visualization um and so you know i see that and i just let that go i i just forgive that um yeah yeah so i guess for me it's just kind of finding my way of about how specific um but it always comes back to as you mentioned the feeling and so when I do find myself kind of getting into specifics, uh, I remember to, you know, to really energize the feelings and feel them and act those out now, um, you know, with how, however the circumstances are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there were a few other things that you said. So... Oh, uh, well, that was another question. Well, another sort of thing I've been contemplating is... Right. Um, so here we are, uh, um, aspiring to remember and remembering, you know, spending many moments of the day remembering and living as our true selves. So it does come to me, well, you know, once we realize fully who we truly are and we live that in every moment, does that just mean that everything is going to poof, disappear, you know, kind of like in disappearance of the universe? Or is it, you know, how does the fully embodied, you know, the fully enlightened embodied uh, person or or being live? So I think this is kind of a direction, you know, mm-hmm. for that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So... I guess you could probably, you know, I, I'm kind of finding my way through this, you know, uh, really trying, uh, being vigilant for not visualizing from ego, um, mm-hmm. because that could, you know, be get into very specific uh, relationship scenarios and housekeeping scenarios and money scenarios. So I'm just finding it uh, much more peaceful and just much more um, where I can really relax and and go into it where it's kind of more the the generalized feeling or or the specific feeling but not with the 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 uh tight mental picture around what it's going to be. Mm. You know, opening I guess remaining open for mm-hmm. um yeah, kind of like for the script and you know, because mm-hmm. I do, you know, I I I know we're working with two different, you know, bodies of um 
spiritual teachings here, you know, A Course in Miracles and the uh, Ascended Masters. Um, but just recently, like I have a, an example, um, I was telling some of my prayer partners that uh, recently we decided to go to San Francisco, my husband and I, um, and for the last several months, I mean, I don't really have too many desire, desires to travel, but I was, you know, kicking around in my head, you know, I would like to see San Francisco. Several people have seen San Francisco recently and come back and said, oh, it's, you know, you got to go. It's really nice. And so I could feel kind of something starting to germinate, you know, as opposed to the thousands and millions of other images, you know, that come in and then just pass uh, and so then, uh, you know, and I was open to that, and I had a sense like that was going to happen at some point, but I I wasn't making any plans. I wasn't wondering when it was going to happen. I was just open to it, and it was just like, a, yeah, that's nice, sure, why not, feeling. And then uh, circumstances came where we decided to, we had, uh, we had to make our decision kind of quick, and so we went for it. And at the last minute before I had to press the button, you know, on the computer to to finalize the uh, the airline mm-hmm. plans, I was like, I could, I pulled back, you know, and I saw that that was, you know, an old habit of, do we have enough money and blah blah blah, all of those things, and um, you know, just I was able to just kind of sit down and in ten minutes just work through all of that old stuff uh, that had kicked up and. and and recognize, too, like, you know, this is the flow. You know, you've kind of been feeling this flow all along, and now this is kind of like the fruition of that flow or like the end point of the flow. Why are you pulling back now? You know, so, um, yeah, so kind of like those stories that you were talking about, you get, you're get you getting a feeling of an apartment or what you would like. I didn't get the sense that there was any real um you know, trying to make it happen. It was, yeah, more of that just, uh, yeah, energizing the ideal, you know, what you would like, you know, as um, Venerable says, and then just following the intuition. And that's like the key, I find, is just, yeah, really listening um, and uh, and following that those prompts, those inner prompts. Indeed. And and this is why also, too, Karen, why getting that feeling is so valuable to me, you know, mm. because when I'm feeling it, there's a sense of like, if you were going to ask a hundred people, what does abundance feel like? And they would all feel that energy. And then you'd say, what does abundance look like? Based on their feeling, I think they would all have different images. Mm, hmm You know? Yeah. So, uh, it's, and, and of course, for me, one of the things that happens when I go into that feeling, I, that's how I also determine, am I in this moment? Am I in ego or am I in spirit? Because I'm training myself to feel that difference. That mm. if I'm in ego, there's a tension to it. There's a sense of limitation, a sense of lack, a sense of conditions. 
Because this is one of the most important things for us to understand, and it took me a long time to get this, and it's this. Mm -hmm. And Patricia teaches very beautifully about it. Uh, But I I, I really feel like people have to clear a lot of clutter before they can get this. So it's this. It's our nature is to really express perfection in this world, to walk on this planet as ascended masters. I believe that that's what we're learning how to do. That's what we're remembering to do. And we are remembering that there's no reason why we can't have everything we'd like the way that we'd like it all the time. And the only reason that we don't feel deserving of it or willing to even have it is because we go into withholding, we go into resentment, we go into all these things that are uh, make us feel unworthy. Mm. And so if we're willing to really practice being loving and being in the flow of love, then we recognize that abundance and prosperity and all the spiritual qualities of God, the fullness of it has already been given to us. We can express it at any moment in time. And we are naturally made to experience this tremendous flow all the time of beauty and creativity and wisdom and clarity. And it's because of this great unworthiness that we feel like I can't have that because I'm mean and bitter and angry and stupid and ugly and fat and short and tall and whatever it is that we're judging about ourselves so we feel unworthy. I So I can't have the unlimited. I don't deserve tremendous abundance of prosperity. I can't have all this good. So because of that, I can't just naturally receive it. I just can't, I I don't feel worthy of naturally holding that picture of beauty and truth and wisdom and prosperity and then experiencing it made manifest in my life. And so, because I've got all these negative things that I'm entertaining in my mind, these negative visualizations, and I sure as hell do not want them to be made manifest. So I have to lay all that power aside. Now, I have to labor in density to make things happen. Mm. Yeah, and you know, reading this um reading this passage, I've become much more aware of when negative uh, visualization is occurring. And uh it's been very helpful, you know, to really see that and to stop it. And one of the phrases in there um that they say is that uh it's really just as easy to or yeah, it's just as easy to visualize something that one wants and that's peaceful and mm-hmm. loving or whatever uh as it is to do a negative. Um, so, but, you know, I, I found in my mind, I was like, no, just because of the habit, you know, of the negative visualization, it seems like it takes more effort to visualize something, uh, uh-huh. you know, positive and uh, aligned with love. And so that's, you know, something that I've really been clearing out that old idea. You're like, no, it's just as easy. So that when I find myself, you know, visual you know, in a negative visualization just flipping right over to, you know, no, perfect peace, abundance, uh getting into that feeling. So yeah, we've been spending so much it's funny because uh, you know, we've been spending so much time, uh lifetimes maybe, visually uh doing um negatively visualizing and now here I am kind of uh, hesitant to actually visualize something positive. 
mm-hmm. because maybe that's not right. You know, I'm kind mm-hmm. of catching that sort of crazy thought too. And you mentioned, you know, creation, and um, often, you know, in A Course in Miracles, uh, they sp- it's so often spoken about how our true nature is creation. Um, mm-hmm. And I must admit, uh, I, I really don't know what that means, you know, according to A Course in Miracles. That sounds like that's that's really what we are and what we're about when we, um, you know, remember truly who we are. Um, and so perhaps this is kind of pointing us in that mm-hmm. direction, this passage that we're working with. Yes. And in The Course of Miracles, well, it makes that distinction between what we make in this world mm. and creation. So uh, we are created by our creator. And we can create, but in creation, what is created is eternal it's infinite it's an Mm. expression of perfection so it's not temporal it's not time bounded so what we make in this world in the world of form is different than what's created what's created in that we create in our experience here is we create literally we create expressions of beauty and perfection Mm and wholeness and freedom and those live in our mind forever because they are Mm -hmm. eternal and Mm -hmm. so it's like when i was just starting out as a newbie in spirituality one of the early concepts that i got is the only thing you can take with you from this world is your relationships the the love, the perfection, the wholeness of your relationships. That's it. That's all you can take with you. And then later I realized, oh, well, you can take the learning. You can take the learning with you. Mm. But the learning is really remembering. Mm. So it's, oh, you already have it. Mm-hmm. You're remembering it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's very so when, well said. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know we're running over time. But um, you mentioned in the beginning that uh, venerable uh does not um support so much visualizing although she is always saying to uh what is it energize the ideal yes exactly. which to me would kind of sound well yeah which to me would sound kind of like visualization in a way just maybe in a different maybe less specific yeah no she she says Energize, visual, conceptu- energize, conceptualize, visualize. Or, mm, she the says ideal. that all, yeah, the ideal. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And she says, and then do what needs doing. Right. So in a way, that's, yeah, that's in alignment with what we're talking about exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so, thank you. Yeah, but she's just taking out, to me, I mean, we've, I say, well, isn't there a difference between desire and want and need? And she's like, she in her teaching, there isn't. There's, there's subtle. It's like uh, saying uh, there's black coffee, there's coffee with sugar, there's coffee with milk, there's coffee with milk and sugar, but basically it's all coffee. Mm. I, I I mean, yeah. There are times when I really would like to talk about it with her 
even more in class, but I she doesn't wish to energize it. Mm. So well, I, I guess to, you know, yeah. I mean, what's coming here is right. Well, you were talking before. You can feel the difference between when you're visualizing an ego and when when one is visualizing aligned with spirit. Um, you know, and in in the feeling is like the needing because I think we're all familiar. I know definitely me. I visualized many many times through ego. Uh, and there was yeah a lot of angst and um <laughs> and not peace with doing that uh and a real sense of need and lack but uh you know when i visualize now there's more there's far more contentment and wholeness uh and peace yes. and kind of completion right now and it's kind of like yeah this would be really nice you know <laughs> if that were to happen or just kind of it's more of an extension of what i'm already feeling Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, maybe um, playing out in form. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that's actually separate from me that hasn't yet happened. It seems it's it's more, yeah. It's um, so then there's there's not that like really pining for it. Or, mm, exactly, because um, you're not experiencing a lack of it. Yeah. So there's there's more relaxation and enjoyment mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of. Almost, almost sitting with the visualization is is enjoyment and fulfillment mm. enough. Yes, because we're living in a world of illusion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Very, very helpful. And I'm going to leave you unmuted. And Kazi mm-hmm. is raising her hand. So, Kazi, I'm going to unmute you. Can you hear me? I hear you. Um, I just would echo quite a bit of what Karen said because what I've found myself just really recognizing how habitually I do energize things I don't want and really working at replacing what the ideal. So I'm just I'm very grateful for you sharing that. You know, when you started off, you had to catch that a lot because I really find myself having very habitual negative energizing, which is not what I want at all, <laughs> and just constantly catching myself and then reaching and changing that. So that's really, I'm just like doing the heavy work of clearing out the negativity, it feels like. Exactly. I mean, seriously, that that habit of negative visualization was so strong. Oh, yep. So it's, yeah. it's just a, it's a mental habit. It's what the ego does. It captures our attention with... You know, that's what worry is. Worry, Ernest Holmes said it so beautifully. Worry is the negative use of your imagination. Right. Yep. Hmm. Imagining what you don't want. Hmm. Yeah. And I used to really secretly hope in a lot of ways that it would happen because then I would feel like a victim. It wasn't my fault. You see, you see, I try so hard. You see, you see, there's nothing I can do. Everything is against me. That's how I... Proving the negative, yep. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so good. I love it. Well, Jennifer, one last thing. Um... I I do hope that your visualization of coming to New York would play out. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, I do. No attachments. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it yeah. would be nice. <laughs> I, I feel it so strongly. You know, I lived in New York for 10 years, and I, 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 I don't wish to live in the city anymore. I don't mm. feel – I just – I like to – I like being in nature too much. It's too – Yeah. So um, – and uh, and I also would like to be near my family. So it just feels like – that's going to happen. It might be a couple of years. I think it's possible I could be in Hawaii for a couple of years. I just don't really. Yeah. yeah don't no. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I don't have a strong visualization of it because what I really am most interested in is my healing mm-hmm. and sharing the benefits with everyone. And so that to me is I'm being guided to where energetically I can best experience those two things. Mm-hmm. So it's not about preference for where I live. It's about where can I best heal my own consciousness and best um, share. And for me right now, being in Kauai, which is so intensely divine mother energy, it, it's, you know, it's this divine mother time is finally opening for all humanity it just feels like it's a perfect place for me to steep myself uh, because I know I'm here to help with this return of the Divine Mother so it feels perfect to me mm-hmm. yeah all right so let's take this breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that we have come to this place where this is the work that we're doing. So grateful and so thankful that we've cleared so much clutter from our mind that we're really doing this work. Where We've got this wonderful community of like-minded fellows and we can share without shame. So grateful, so thankful to open our hearts and minds to the higher Holy Spirit self, the power and the presence of perfect love, opening our hearts and minds to the infinite love of God revealing itself as the activities of our life, the visualizations, the desires of our heart. We're allowing ourselves to be led and guided to the expressions of perfection that are ours to bring forth. We are grateful and thankful to allow our healing and to allow ourselves to be masters, truly masterful. We share the benefits with everyone, with our family, our co-workers, our community, our community where we live and our masterful living community. So grateful and so thankful to simply let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 I also would like to just remind everybody, so if you write that up and you send it to me, either in an email or a Word doc, your visualization, then uh, I can go over that with you. I invite you to do it, go over it with your prayer partner and because that's going to help you to further hold that vision and then the other thing is uh we're going to be doing our one-on-ones shortly i really hope that uh, you all will make that appointment and we can have that precious time together and then um oh what was the other thing 
oh, you know, those Wednesday um, community calls are just wonderful. So I do encourage you, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, if you can get in on some of them. And just so, so beautiful. All right. Well, I love you, and I thank God for you. And uh, we have Masterful Living Year 2 uh, later today. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bye, everyone.